are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Rays podcast and Ulysses. We have part two of our conversation with Arm Layton from JustBaseball.com. Com, uh, Arm, thank you for continuing to join with us. And let's dive right into it. Um, the list that I have of top prospects that you have uh, put together, a lot of research and background, uh, Taj Bradley, Curtis Mead, Kyle Manzardo, Jonathan Aranda, Carson Williams, Junior Caminero, Mason Auer, who I do want to talk about, uh, Willie Vasquez, Cole Wilcox, Mason Montgomery, Oslevis, Basabe. Those are uh, the top prospects that you have for the Rays. Um, if you can just kind of outline what led you to this list of Taj Bradley, number one, uh, Curtis Mead, number two, and just kind of going on through there. Yeah. So, you know, and also, I, I definitely encourage people to to go check it out because I'll I'll put a lot of the information in there that that kind of led to you know why I I put certain guys where and and try to provide as much data context and and background as I can to to you know kind of validate the rankings but of course you know people are going to have different rankings uh, uh, especially with this race system because there's a big balance here of upside and and proven ability, especially at the top. And then you got some guys that kind of have both. So, uh, you know, this is a really fun list. And and what I really felt like when I looked at this race system is that, you know, this is a group that, you know, the race system's never not, it's never bad. It's never really mediocre. It's usually great. It's been good recently, I think. And and I think it has a chance to be great. If, if we can see a few of these guys make the leaps that I think they can. And that's, you know, the Willie Vasquez's of the world and the junior Camineros and even a Mason Hour who looked great last year. And I'll talk about him a little bit, but uh, I'll start with Bradley, I guess, who, you know, Bradley is a guy that I think is almost suffering from a little bit of prospects fatigue, which is bizarre to say about a guy who's like barely 22. Um, but for whatever reason, he's been he's been somebody that I see, and it's all relative. But I've seen him, you know, sinking, quote unquote, or falling behind Curtis Mead in some rankings, falling from the top twenty closer to the thirty to forty range. And I think some of that is just a testament to Mead. But I think you know, Bradley, there's the question of like, where's the third pitch? Is that splitter going to come along? Blah blah blah. And I think that's fair and that's valid. But remember, this is a guy that reached AAA as a 21-year-old pitcher uh, in, in a very loaded race system that it's not easy to just climb the the, the pitching ladder from level to level. And uh, he, he did that through a ridiculously good fastball with great shape and ride to it and, and a slider that is nasty. Um, he did it with two pitches. The splitters he started to get more comfortable with as the year went on, and I think that's a pitch that he'll be able to at least get to average, which is all he needs, and it has potential for more than that. Uh this guy's so athletic, so young, um, and so talented in terms of the way he repeats his delivery and and, and his command. It, I did consider Meade at number one, but ultimately, you know, I think Bradley's floor is so high as a starter already, and and he's so young, and his ceiling is still extremely high. I feel really good about this guy at the very least being a back end of the rotation starter who'll show you flashes and more. But I think he's got a great shot to be a number two or number three type. Uh, that can give you flashes of a little bit more. And, and I think we're going to see that if he can develop that third pitch a little bit further uh, and continue to get, get more comfortable with that fastball command, which is already pretty good. 
I I want to talk about a guy who's number three, I believe, Kyle Manzardo on your list. Yes. Um, I saw MLB Pipeline a, a few days ago. They came out with their top 100, right? He's at 73. I So my question to you regarding Kyle is, is this just a, a, a lack of games in the upper minors that have drafted him this low? Quote unquote low. I mean, top yeah. 100. I mean, that's yeah. pretty <laughs> darn good. But just is that maybe something that prevented him to, to go in a little bit upper upwards in, in that ranking? Or is it defensively? I haven't really seen a lot of defensive metrics on him. I did see the one thing I could find is that in 191 innings at in double A playing first base, he made no errors. But as we yeah. all know, that's just subjective. So is is the glove a, a part of why he might not be uh, as highly uh, touted? Even though again, top one hundred is amazing. But what's what's preventing him to to go a little bit higher on that? Yeah. So you know, I think I think it's a combination of things because ultimately, evaluators and scouts in general they, they don't like to put a lot of of stock in first base prospects in general. Um, so you know, I think it's also important to to compare him to his peers, right. To other first basemen, because there's always going to be a priority on, on the middle infielders or the outfielders or, or just other positions where it isn't really all on the bat because with a Kyle, a guy like Kyle Manzardo, who I love, and I think his bat is enough to justify him being a top 60 prospect. But, you know, th this is a guy that if he doesn't reach his, you know, maximum potential as, as a hitter, you're not going to get much other value there, right? Like we talk about the Vidal Brujans of the world. Uh, he's not reaching his potential as an offensive player, but he could still be really valuable in a lot of other ways. So I think that's what holds you know somebody like Manzardo back a little bit, who's obviously a better prospect than Brujan, but just an example there. Um, for me, I still think Manzardo is, is one of the safest bats in the minor leagues and i think the fact that he's only done it for one year so far which is all he's had the the chance to do as a 2021 draftee but the fact that he was you know has only done it for one year and as a first baseman i think is a little bit of the reason why we see some hesitancy to just push a first baseman up the boards but this is a guy that to me is is a 70 hit tool uh player which you don't see a lot of 70 hit tools in anymore in, in today's game especially in the minor leagues especially from a first baseman because power is always a priority and the, the hit tool is is the carrying tool. He's not a guy that's going to jump off the pages with with power. I think it's above average. But when you have above average power and plus plus hit tool, he's going to hit 20 to 25 home runs. He's going to hit for average. He's going to walk. And I think he's going to walk as much as he strikes out. This is a really, really, really safe hitter. Um, and for me, you know, that's really important when it comes to prospect rankings is, you know, while he might not bring a ton else to the table, I think he's an average defender, maybe slightly above. And he's going to be one of the safest hitters you're going to find. And, and that's really important to me. Uh, and I think that's what makes him a really, really solid prospect. It's decent numbers against lefties as well definitely helps. So uh, Manzardo to me is a top 60 guy. And, and I think it's really just the fact that he's a first baseman that's only got one year under his belt is the only reason why we don't see him a little high. There is a section of race fans who is both very upset about the lack of left-handed, uh, of, of the lack of the acquisition of a left-handed bat that could provide some pop during the off-season, and they're and they, and they themselves love Kyle Manzardo and think that he is the answer to that to that present and future problem. How quickly do you think that a Kyle Manzardo, if he keeps going the way that he is, will be reaching 
MLB level. I think we could see a midseason, maybe even a little sooner. Uh, you know, when, when you have somebody that made it look as easy as Manzardo did last year, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, 63 games in high A. He hits 329 uh, and, and doesn't strike out, right? He walks as much as he strikes out, 16% and 16%. Then they move him up to double A, which the biggest jump for me is from high A to double A. Or not for me, for every guy I've talked to. They say the biggest jump is, is from high A to double A. And he cuts the strikeout rate down and hits 323, right? And still gets on base at a 402 clip and still slugs uh, and hits five home runs in the 30 game. So slightly down in the power department, but still, you know, hitting for some power. He had 17 home runs in 63 games in high A. Uh, I expect him to go up to tri- to A. And I think this is going to be one of those guys that puts up even better numbers in AAA because Manzardo is so patient. He doesn't expand the zone and and he is so good within the zone. 86% zone contact is spectacular for a guy like him. Uh, I think he's going to benefit from the better umpires, from the tighter strike zone, from guys that are, you know, not effectively wild. They're, they're more, you know, I think trying to, to get you to get yourself out. And Manzardo doesn't really do that. So, uh, I, I expect Manzardo to get to triple and, and do really, really well there and force force the Rays' hand, especially if they don't have that lefty bat. I think we can see him by midseason. With Kyle Manzardo, and that was a great question by Ulysses because I've seen the ETA all over the place for Manzardo. I've seen 2023. Yeah. I've seen 2024. I've seen 2025. It's just uh, <laughs> amazing where, where that's at. But with Manzardo specifically, do you have a player comp, whether it's a – present MLB player or retired MLB player that you look at and say, and I know it's never fair necessarily to do those types of comps, but maybe an, an expectation for him going forward of he kind of mirrors this guy. That's a really good question because, you know, it's, it's an interesting profile when you have a, a, the game today with, with first baseman generally being, you know, power over, over mm-hmm. hit. Uh, for the most part. Uh, but I do think what we saw from Nathaniel Lowe last year could be pretty similar. I think I think Lowe offers maybe slightly more power uh, and a little bit more swing and miss. But I think Nathaniel Lowe, you look at what he did last year, he hit 302, 358, 492, struck out 23% of the time, hit 27 home runs. Uh, Lowe's exit velocities don't jump off the charts, but he's such a good hitter uh, and lifts the ball well that you know, he's still going to put up above average home run output. I think low is probably the safest comp. It's just taken low longer to get there. Um, so, you know, people might say, Oh, Nathaniel low. But if you look at what he did last year and even the year before that, I think that, that that's a closer comp. I think that Manzardo was further along and we'll get to that sooner but I'm talking about last year's Nathaniel Lowe. Like, I think that's what you can look forward to with Kyle Manzardo. The, the combination of average and power. I don't know if Manzardo's ever going to hit 30 home runs, uh, but he can be mid-20s, maybe high-20s on a good year and always get on base at a good clip. I think he's going to walk a little bit more, maybe homer a little bit less. Uh, but at the end of the day, have a similar OPS from what we saw from Nathaniel Lowe last year. So it's probably the closest comp I can give right now, but I think he's he's a pretty well-rounded hitter. Uh, that you just don't find too often in today's game anymore, which is really refreshing. And part of the reason why I think he can climb quickly, you're seeing teams more frequently now uh, promote guys that they feel like have the goods and show the polish to be able to make that transition to the big league level. And I think Manzardo, if he's not one of those guys, I don't know who Kevin, is. if only the race could draft a guy like Nate Lowe, man, that would be, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what are the odds of that? Huh? 
Wouldn't that be crazy, especially <laughs> yeah, after the second half with the Rangers this past season? That those uh, are, I mean, the Rays certainly could have plugged that into the middle of their lineup. Uh, we've got more with Aram coming up, but first we have to tell you about FanDuel. This year, the only app that you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. So download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57. With a no-sweat first bet, you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use as well. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So uh, we got the... Manzardo scouting report out of the way. Aram, I now want to get your take on Mason Hour. What's your evaluation and scouting report for him, uh, considering that he was a guest of the program uh, a week ago? And uh, he was he was great, by the way. Uh, seemed yeah. mature beyond his years and seems to really enjoy and, and love the game. Just what you've seen from him besides his uh, amazing physique, I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I was really excited to see you guys got Mason on the show. Uh, he he's somebody that I was, you know, fortunate to see in the Arizona Fall League. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I, I he was not somebody that I I was following too closely. You know, I was aware of what he did this year, but you know, I, I lower levels. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, if if I, if I see him do that more in. in double a this year. And then, then I'll really start to give him that look as like a top 10 prospect in a good race system. But, you know, a- after seeing him in, in the Arizona fall league, you know, go through his batting practice, do what he does on the field, do what he does in the field. Uh, I-, I realized really quickly, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm out mm-hmm. here because these are guys that, you know, you, you, you don't really get to appreciate until you see him in person. And our, like, he looks like he's built like a taller Tyler O'Neill with how muscly he is, but also still fast and fluid. Uh, but the thing with ours, he really does have good bat to ball skills, given how strong and physical he is. Um, he's one of the better athletes, too. And again, we know the way the Rays like athletes. But again, the difference is this is a really good athlete who actually has some feel to hit that's further along than most players with his profile. He's a San Jacinto Community College product, which that is a pipeline of talent. But, you know, this isn't your classic. SEC, ACC college player who comes into low A, high A, and takes advantage of more inexperienced pitching and then hits a wall in double A. Like this was a test for him out of community college, even even a loaded San Jack uh, community college that plays a lot of good competition. And he didn't blink. And and talking to some of his teammates in the Arizona Fall League, they all said the same thing. They think he can play and they think he's a gamer and they think he's just going to always find a way to contribute. 81% in zone contact for the power that he offers is really impressive for me. Um, I, I already like his swing a lot. It's a little flat, but I think that's okay because it lets him get to the high fastballs. He hits a lot of line drives and he hits the ball so hard that they still get out anyways. Um, with, with the ability to play all three outfield spots with what he already is able to do with the bat, this is somebody that I think is going to rise quickly. And if he puts up a good start in double A, could be on top 100 list by midseason with how with how athletic and strong he is and, and the five-tool potential that he can bring to the table. I think Mason Hour is going to – he's gaining some traction 
uh, race fans are, are are starting to 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 hear his name more and more. But what is a name that right now race fans don't even know that they should be following? If you were to kind of feed a name to race fandom that are listening to this episode and watching this, and of course there's they're just hitting that like button and they're hitting that subscribe button. Um, what is that one name that you think is not getting enough love? from race fans in the system that should be getting a little bit more attention. Yeah, I'll give you a few and you can tell me who, who is getting more love and who okay. is not. Um, Willie Vasquez is somebody that, you know, I think is not getting enough love. At least, you know, I saw fan graphs, put out rankings and he was, you know, in the 1920 range. I think he's a lot better than that with a lot more upside than that. Uh, Vasquez has already flashed really impressive power. Um, good speed potentially could stick in center and, and is really projectable and physical. This is somebody that, yes, it's a wide range of outcomes, but his upside is, is tantalizing. I think fans are definitely well aware of Cole Wilcox, but I just want to remind some that like this guy's going to, going to look really good this year. He's polished. He's going to make up for lost time. He is a really, really good arm. Uh, somebody that I saw in the Arizona fall league that along with, with Mason hour impressed me is more raw is Ronnie Simon. He was acquired in that Jordan Luplo deal. And I think Simon is somebody that, could be a really interesting prospect. He put up great numbers in Double A last year as a 21, 22 year old, uh, and, and and I think he's somebody that is dynamic, right? Where that's the word of the podcast so far, and and it's because that's what the Rays you know pursue. But he's a switch hitter uh, who who can hit the ball hard. I mean, there's a, there's at least average power here, maybe a little bit more than that. He stole 34 bases last year. He hit 22 home runs, and he seemed to get better as the year went on. He's good in the field. He can play a lot of different positions. Ronnie Simon is somebody that the Rays plucked away from the D-backs, targeted, identified, and, and I think this is one that the, the D-backs are going to regret trading. I, I am a big fan of Simons, and I think he could be a really, really solid prospect um, who, who, again, just doesn't really get uh, as much attention. And then one other guy – Again, someone I saw in the fall league, ironically, that the Rays sent the right guys out there. Evan Reifert, I don't, I don't know how much you guys have you know, had discourse about Evan Reifert in, in the Rays circles, but Reifert's somebody that is going to be that next, like, where did he come from reliever? Um, his slider is one of the best I've seen in the minor leagues. The fastball has enough hop to it, and, and he's going to strike out guys in bunches. I think that's the next reliever that they're going to bring up, and people are going to say, where did this dude come from? And he's going to be impactful. Uh, both Ryford and Kevin Kelly, I think, fit that bill, but Ryford might be even asked. Ooh, those are three really good names, Kevin. Uh, and I think th yeah. those are very good names uh, because they all have upside, like you said, especially with Vasquez. Like, you know, it could go in any which way um, to project them. But Ryford, I think, is the one that would be getting a little bit more love just because race fans are a little bit more in tune with pitching, I would think. Maybe that's my bias, you know, pitching factory and all that. I think. Fans usually do gravitate towards um, knowing the pitching prospects more than than the hitters, but um, no, that that's a great list, Kevin. I don't know. Yeah, that, that that's pretty good. No, I agree. And one other thing that I'll add, Aram, is uh, a guy, a pitcher that's also seemed to rise up rankings over the last several months, and um, maybe you have a little bit lower than others. Uh, Mason Montgomery. What's your evaluation of him and and your your expectation for him going forward. I know everybody hears about Taj Bradley and there's been, of course, talk about Cole Wilcox and people have mentioned Colby white, who's on the 40 man, but um, Mason Montgomery. Yeah, I like Montgomery a lot. Um, you know, I, maybe not as high on him as, as some others, because I you know have some concern about 
the, the lack of third pitch. I have some concern about you know just the, he's got good control, but the, the command within the zone hitting his spots a little bit. The slider is is a pitch that gets a lot of swing and miss. And, and talking to some hitters that have faced him, it, the the shape. If you looked at the pure you know rap soto data on the pitch, it wouldn't grade out as plus, but. Because of his deception and the way that he's able to make it look just like his fastball out of his hand, the slider played up big time. Also, the fastball, the shape of it, while he averages 91, 92 miles an hour on the fastball, it's got that riding life to it. It's high spin, which means it's going to get a lot of swings and misses in the top of the zone. So it tunnels off of the slider really well. It's a great one-two punch there. But the fastball is 90 to 92, 3 at the, at the top. Slider is good because it plays up, but he went to the fastball 67% of the time and, and the slider, you know, 23% and then mix in this changeup that he just couldn't command uh, the other 9%. So, so for me, you know, I think if, if hitters are able to kind of pick up the slider a little bit, there's a lot of pressure on that fastball that he already leans on a lot. If he comes out this year and, and starts to show a, a better feel for the changeup and, and starts to show better fastball command and, and somehow is able to get away with throwing it as much as he does, then then maybe you know I, I'll push him up a little bit further. He is still young at 22, but he's a top 10 prospect in the system without a doubt for me, and he's a really solid prospect. But I think the upside is a little bit capped unless we see a, a major change with either the quality of, of fastball stuff or slider in terms of the velo uptick or or a major stride with the third pitch and the changeup. Um, right now, it's more of that like back end of the rotation to you know swingman reliever type profile for me, um, which is a little bit more limiting. And you know comparing him to somebody like a Cole Wilcox is difficult. Uh, but having the year that he had last year still keeps him in the top ten. And and again, he's a guy that I'm watching though, and and very eager to to bump up the uh, the yeah. rankings if if he shows some of those things next year. Very good. And I know we're kind of burying the lead here, but Curtis Mead is he MLB ready? right now or is there something one or two things that you'd like to see him improve upon or work on before he gets that promotion to the major league level which we assume is going to happen sometime in 2023 with the stick man like i i, I don't i don't need to see much more i know it was only 20 triple a games but i curtis me to somebody that i've been on you know i think since the first time i ever came on your guys' <laughs> podcast yeah. I, I think this was somebody that you know i feel like i've been talking about uh, similar to vinnie pascantino Oh, just like kind of the folk hero, like fun name, unique guy. But like, don't get it twisted. He really hits. And I hope people can can start to believe me. Um, but and I think now he's taking care of that for me. And and everybody is, is aboard the Curtis Mead train, uh, no matter who you ask. You know, there is a question. I think if there's a one thing that maybe that the Rays would like to see more clarity on, it's it's the defense. Um, I think he can hold it down at third. I think he can play just fine at first, but maybe they want to see him, you know, play a little bit more at second base or, you know, maybe even try the outfield a little bit just to see, you know, what his, what his abilities are. But I think if they're calling him up to, to play a little third or second and first, I think he's already shown that, that he can do that. I also think the bat is good enough to DH. Uh, I really think it can be that good. So I think he's ready. You know, I assume they're going to start him in triple for a few weeks. And and again, another guy that you can gain that year of control and it's not blatant service time manipulation. Cause at the end of the day, you know, he only has uh, the 76 games or I guess 80 games above, you know, above high a uh, in his career. Uh, but I think he's so advanced. He hits the ball so hard uh, and, and you combine the, the field to hit with how hard he hits the baseball and a really solid approach overall. 
I don't need to see much else from him offensively, but I can understand if the Rays wanted to give him a few more weeks in the minor leagues, especially as they try to sort out the big league sure. roster. They've got some some yeah. guys on the bench that we talked about on Wednesday that like, hey, they, they could be good, but they might struggle and, and it might be time to look at some other options. And, you know, I think Jonathan Aranda is very similar to hmm. Meade in a lot of ways. And, you know, Aranda is a guy that is, is going to continue to get that first look at the big league level because he's already was there last year. Um, so, you know, I know Meade is a righty, Aranda is a lefty, but, you know, I think it's going to have to be something that comes up roster wise, whether it's a trade or a guy gets hurt or whatever it may be. And I think Meade will be the first name called upon uh, to come up at that point. Hmm. Now, uh, Going away from the Rays a little bit before uh, Ulysses and I have a little game for you, Aram. Um, just across baseball, who is your favorite prospect right now? Uh, and let's take the Rays out of the equation. So does this mean like the the, the number one prospect for us, or like uh, we that we I could do your the the number one and your favorite if it's not the same? Yeah. So you know, I think. I think that you know it's it's a little bit of a a, a cop out because he's been our top one our, our number one prospect in our top one hundred. But but Corbin Carroll for me is is mm. as fun and in, I just think incredible as as they come. You know I think you could put Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll as the number one prospect in baseball, and I don't think you could be wrong either either way. Uh, and they're both just so skilled. But but for me, Corbin Carroll for his little compact you know five nine frame to have the plus power that he has to be an 80 grade runner uh the the hit tool is pretty solid uh just the the defensive ability at all three outfield spots is remarkable and this is a guy that i think is is going to take over major league baseball i think he's gonna be one of those like next young guys that really really makes an impact i think ellie de la cruz is another one of the the alien types that it's just like Mm -hmm. how do they do what they do reds prospect ellie de la cruz is just uh, on another planet in terms of of his ceiling as a switch hitter, a guy that hit a home run over 500 feet last year and is a plus plus runner. Uh, but I would say, I would say my favorite prospect right now is probably Pete Crow Armstrong because this guy. Mm. Uh, one spoiler alert: I'm going to give on our top 100 update. He's going to be our only and our first 80 grade defender. Um, I did a thread on Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, just just a few days ago, maybe a week ago, time is a bore at this point. Um, uh, no, but you know, um, Cubs fans it, got it, it was pretty funny. I remember, and then a Cubs fan, I think, got pretty upset, wasn't it? Um, oh, it was the Mets. Mets fans were Mets in my fan. replies getting all upset because if you remember, they traded Pete Crow Armstrong for two months of Javier Baez. And look, yeah. it's just my job to talk about which prospects are good. I got no horse in this race. Uh, is it a little sure. funny? Of course. Uh, but, you know, I, I, the first reply was, was uh, you know, F you uh, to, the, to the thread, which I thought was hilarious from yeah. like Mets fan 101. But that thread, uh, if you go over to my Twitter, because I, I can't do it justice in terms of, of, of explaining it. He is one of the best defenders I've, I've seen in the minor leagues. He's probably the best defensive center fielder I've seen in the minor leagues. Uh, right there with Michael Harris, who was in the same boat, and we've seen what he's done at the big league level. And the bat is good, too. I mean, this guy hit 16 home runs. He had 10 triples, stole bags. I had him on the podcast as well. He is just the man. He's, he's super cool, like laid back, California kid that Intel just loves the game, plays hard, humble. And so when, when you can match the personality with the way they play, uh, that's a guy I definitely have some bias towards. I know I'm already giving you too many names, but I'm going to give you one more just because I love this guy so much. Joey Weimer. Um, he is the next Hunter Pence. He hits the ball 
so hard, but is the most – he plays like his hair is on fire. He's with the Brewers. Um, he's got the long hair, blonde hair. He has the craziest stance you'll ever see, the biggest leg kick. He's 6'4", and flies, uh, plays with reckless abandonment, and he is the most unique dude I've ever talked to. I asked him what he does off the field. He says he plays Minecraft and watches Family Guy. Um, like he's just a really <laughs> unique guy that is so much fun to watch. Um, so I know I gave you a few names, but final answer will be Pete Crow Armstrong. Oh, that's that's pretty good. I, I mean, every time we have you on the show, I think both myself and Kevin and our listeners just become smarter. So uh, yeah, I have you. to tell you, no, really, you 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 you're a great asset to 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 this podcast every time that you're on. So so thank you for coming in, uh, Kevin. Would you like to play a game? Yes, always. Okay, so this uh, game is called Name That War. This is something that we play every Friday where we trade off names and we try to go into our baseball archives in our brains and guess what that no longer active player's career war was according to baseball reference. Okay, so do you want to play with us? Absolutely. Okay, let's yeah, and by so, the way, you, uh, Arm, you're welcome to gerrymander and steal this idea if you ever want to use it. On I was about podcast. to say I might steal this for the Just Baseball show and give you guys a shout because this is uh, this is a lot of fun. That's yeah. all we ask is a shout out. Uh, no, it's, oh, it's, course, it's a great game. And, and another uh, a switch on it, too, is you take two players and the whoever you're asking has to guess which player has the higher career war. Player A, like player that. B, whatever. I like that. Yeah. And, and OK, so for today's first name. Because I believe we have two names, correct, Kevin? Yes, I have a name as well. Okay, so the first name will be center fielder for both of you, Chris Young. What is Chris Young's career war according to baseball reference? Oh, no. I know. This, this could is, be any this number. This have fun. Yes. A yes this could be any be. number on the face of the earth. A hundred percent. Except maybe not 100, but yes. <laughs> All right. Do so we say the guess out loud? Who goes first, or how does this? Yeah, work? yeah. You wanna... Arm, I'll let you. I'll let you go first. And you know, sometimes we kind of try to work our way through it. Of like, hey, we think this guy played so many years, had so many All Star appearances, maybe had so many home runs, whatever. Like if I'm not mistaken. Good, good defender. I think had a couple nice seasons, a lot of you know, eh seasons, if I remember correctly. I don't think it's going to be a big number. I I don't think it's going to be a big number. I'm going to go with 12 and a half. All right. Ooh. He's locking For that in. Are you going to have prices right this thing, Kevin? Yeah, more or less. I'm actually going to go. I think he had at least 15. I'm going to go 15. We got to give it to Mr. Weiss. 16.5. <sighs> 16.5. Okay. You had the 0.5, though. That was pretty good. He's a one-time <laughs> all-star. He played 13 years in the bigs, and his slash line was 235, 314, 428. That's a 743 OPS, a 95 OPS plus. He did have some pop, though, 191 home runs. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Very good. More than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. More than I thought, too. All right. My guy, um, I used to watch this guy play when I was living in Southern Indiana and we got Cincinnati Reds games on. Uh, I won't give any more details than that. Uh, Brandon Phillips, what is his career oh. war? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good name. Man, I really enjoyed him playing. That, he was so fun. 
He was such a fun guy. I'm thinking. Well, let arm go first. Yeah. Man, uh, well, first of all, Brandon Phillips, the man. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, the, yeah. the 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 glove flips the between the legs flips all the plays he made up the middle should be a bonus ten war for his career yeah but, he had flash uh, judging that that's probably not the case uh I'm gonna I think it's high he played a long time he played a long time man and, and he had some some all star flashes uh for mm-hmm. for several years I'm gonna go with for whatever reason the number twenty eight is speaking to me but I think it's a little higher. I'm going to go with 32. Okay. Fair enough. I liked everything that you said. I still think he's going to get knocked around. Because I, 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 I think the analytics did not like... I think he's Viscale. Like, he did all the things that you were like, how did he do that? But then the analytics, the defensive, I don't yeah, think they then- were really friendly towards him, too. So I'm going to knock him off from 32. I'm going to give him a 22. What do you got, Kevin? Okay. Uh Brandon Phillips, for the record, played 17 years in the bigs, four-time gold glove winner, silver slugger, three-time all-star. Yeah, he did have a string in there, 2010, 2011, 2013, where he made the all-star teams with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Over 2,000 hits, 211 home runs, 275 batting average, not too shabby for a second baseman. Uh, But his career war... Arm, always go with your first instinct. 28.4 oh, is what man. he had. Yeah, I don't know why the number was tw- 28 was speaking to me. That was yeah. good. That was really, really good. Okay. So, I yeah. mean, this is a pretty great game. If you Again, I love this it. is a pretty great game if you're an obsessed baseball fan. And I think everybody here on screen is an obsessed baseball fan. So, it, it goes to show that we would enjoy uh-huh. this. 100%. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Looking forward to, to giving you guys a shout out on the Just Baseball show when we uh, when we duplicate this for, for our Friday episodes, because that's when we do the three of us. So cool. uh, we'll definitely Good. give I'm you a shout on that. But that was fun. Man, that's going to haunt me now that I didn't trust my first instinct. But hopefully that's oh. a lesson to all the listeners out there. Trust your yeah. first instinct, because for yes. whatever reason, that was saved in my brain somewhere, I think. There you yeah. go. It's all good. And um, also want to give you a shout out. Uh, Arm, is there anything you want to promote on justbaseball.com, whether it's podcast content? We know about the uh, Rays top 10 prospect list, but anything else coming up that you want to shout out? Yeah, just uh, the Just Baseball show, uh, our podcast. You know, we're really excited to uh, continue to grow that and and up our YouTube presence there, too, uh, with, with a little bit more post-production added to what we're doing on our episodes and uh, the call-up podcast as well. A lot of interviews with prospects. You guys do a great job, by the way, of of interviewing the, the prospects as well uh, while covering the big league team. But, you know, for, for whatever you guys might miss or if any listeners are interested in the minor leagues beyond that, um, I'm always looking to interview prospects all season long and, and all off season. And, and of course, race prospects included in that um, on the call up podcast and, and the just baseball show as well. And uh, you follow us on Twitter at uh, just baseball. I think it's just BB underscore media. If I'm not mistaken, we had to change our handle. So I got to get better mm-hmm. at remembering that one off the dome, but uh, thank you so much for having me on. And, and it's always a lot of fun talking to you guys. And uh, anytime you guys want to talk more race, talk more big leagues, talk prospects, whatever, I'm always here. No, thank you. And again, listeners out there, after listening to this episode, I uh, recommend that you go out and check out 
just baseball.com. Check out all those podcasts as well. You won't be disappointed. So, um, and if you have any questions, I think arms also very active on Twitter. So if you have any prospects, questions, whatever it may be, he'll, he'll respond to you. So uh, with that, I hope you all have a wonderful day, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.